Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 7, Issue 319 of the Cane and Rinse Podcast and we are up to Resident Evil Code Veronica in our run-through of the mainline Resident Evil games. We have some other games coming up on the show, of course. You can play along with us. You can play a bit of Space Invaders in honour of the game's 40th anniversary. No doubt there'll be a lot of articles and pieces round and about the place, but of course we've timed a podcast for that as well. Uh, Then it is our Pikmin show, just Pikmin 1 for the time being. Then it's our Zone of the Ender show, just the first game for the time being. After that, we continue our epic odyssey of Final Fantasy games with the fourth game in that numbered series. And then we return with Resident Evil or Biohazard, the 2002 game commonly known as Remake. Canarince.com is the place to go for the schedule and various other bits and bobs, links to all our social spaces and our forum, things like that. You can support the show. You can get the show a week earlier than non-subscribers for the mere trifling amount of a dollar a month, which is around 70 odd pence, depending on the exchange rate on the day. Patreon.com slash Or if you don't want to get involved with a regular amount, but you want to give something back, PayPal button on the site. Head over there now and put a tip in our online tips jar. We also have another podcast, Sound of Play. It's about video games music. It's a lot of fun. It comes out every single Wednesday. And we recommend that you check it out if you haven't already. Subscribe to that one and this one. Review them if you can, wherever you can, and rate them too. It's all really helpful. More than just an ego stroke uh, on places like Apple Podcasts, it actually helps the show gain profile. So, yeah very much appreciated as always of course follow us on facebook instagram twitter so joining me leon cox in issue 319 are darren gargett hello hello and mikhil croda alexia i was worried that was coming you've got to do the little laugh at the end there (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really weird that it's like (laughs) it's it's very weird i I, I I mean We'll get on to that. We'll talk about the, uh, the the characters and the acting, as we always do. We'll break it all down, say what we think. Um, yes, uh, different times and all that. Um, I'll give you a spoiler warning for this uh, Resident Evil game because some fairly significant events happen. We may not touch upon all of them, but uh, this was the, as previously discussed, effectively the fourth mainline, or effectively the third mainline game in the Resident Evil series. Uh, Ended up without a number for uh, reasons we discussed in the Resident Evil 3 Nemesis podcast. Uh, You may may or may not be familiar with the story. It was developed by Capcom Production Studio 4 for Capcom, directed by Hiroki Kato, with Shinji Mikami, Resident Evil veteran, acting as a producer. Uh, it was originally confirmed to be in development as far back as August 1998 and promoted as the true sequel to Resident Evil 2. It was officially revealed on October 1998 by uh, Capcom's R&D chief, Yoshiki Okamoto. Capcom of Japan said they were hoping to sell the game to roughly one-third of all Dreamcast users, which they estimated would total around one million copies at that point. Uh, in July 99, though, uh, Capcom of Japan announced their shipment expectations for the Japanese Dreamcast version were now 400,000 copies. The original plan was for Capcom to release the game around the same time as Resident Evil 3 and the Dreamcast launch in North America, which was, of course, late 99. But the project ended up being delayed and pushed back to early 2000. 
to make up for the game's absence, that's why the uh, Dreamcast got a, a port, a fairly straight port that we discussed on the Resident Evil 2 show of that game uh, in the December. And the uh, release that they released in Japan of that Biohazard 2 Value Plus included a demo for Code Veronica. Uh, the whole project with a Resident Evil coming to a Sega system, obviously we had seen uh, Resident Evil 1 ported to the Saturn. There was an attempt to port Resident Evil 2 to the Saturn, but it just wasn't happening. Uh, and considerations regarding the state of the machine, both in terms of its capabilities and its market share, meant that uh, Capcom decided to move on. Um, by the time Resident Evil 3 was released, development on Code Veronica was nearing completion. And much of Code Veronica's 70-person team uh, was outsourced because Capcom resources were tied up working on Resident Evil 3. Um, Mikami and Okamoto's team at Capcom's flagship studio oversaw the game's scenario and direction, while XAX Entertainment assisted with environments. Next Tech handled much of the technical development. Uh, Capcom Production Studio 4 still handled the art direction and character design. So it was a bit of an all-hands-on-deck and, yeah, not all made in in-house at Capcom. Uh, by September 99, in fact, Sega was sending some of its own developers to help add final touches to the game and assist with the game's programming to help keep a good frame rate. The game eventually launched on February 2000 in Japan, later in the month in North America and in May in Europe. The game was generally greeted very positively by the press. From 40 reviews, that initial Dreamcast version averaged almost 94%. Pre-ordered copies came with a unique numbered tag, special red packaging and a unique title screen. Limited Dreamcast system bundles were also released to commemorate uh, the game's launch. The Claire version, limited to 1,800 copies, consisted of the game, a pink system, a pink controller and VMU. <laughs> the other bundle, known as the Stars version, has, uh, has the items except the system is dark, transparent, blue and features a Stars logo. This bundle was limited to 200 copies. I wonder how much the Stars Dreamcast fetches on the collector's market now. I'm going to assume a few a quid. A high price. A high price. <laughs> yeah, Preempting a couple of shows time, a few shows time. Uh, there was a Kanzen Ban version released in March 2001 on the Dreamcast which is featuring the same extra content that the version we know as X, which uh, which is pretty much every version post the original. Uh, it has 10 minutes uh, of new cinematic sequences that reveal more about Wesker's involvement with Umbrella. Most of the game is pretty much unchanged, although Capcom claims there are some graphical enhancements. Uh, Capcom also printed special DVDs of Wesker's report for the North American PS2 release. Uh, they were sold on Capcom's website and given to customers who purchased the game at specialty retailers such as Electronics Boutique and GameStop. When the game came out on PS2 in uh, March in Japan, August in North America, and September in, the Euro in Europe in 2001, this was the X version, uh, reviews dipped si slightly, quite a lot really, dipped by over 10% down to 82-odd percent. And by the time the game launched on GameCube a further two years later, 2003-2004 time, the average reviews were 64% which is a massive drop-off of 30%. Now, you can understand a certain amount of that for it being an old game on a current system, that kind of the negativity that that can bring, but that seems like more of an almost a critical backlash towards the game. Uh, we'll discuss why that may have been the case. I think it might have something to do with uh, the Resident Evil remake being released roughly around the same time. 
Yes, by comparison, uh, it aged the game quite rapidly. I mm. think I think you, you, you're probably onto something there. Obviously, we'll talk about our feelings on the the technical side of the game. Uh, also worth mentioning that although I've said the game came out in Europe, it's actually on the infamous German index put together by the BPJM. Mikhail, you're probably more familiar with this than, than us because you've worked in Germany and you're just geographically closer. But this is the list of games that you can't sell legally in Germany. Similar, they have a similar thing in Australia as well. Yeah. I know for some games, um, often games with certain types of violence. Games that the youth should be protected against. Yes, um, but it's very inconsistent and... Mm. Yeah, in, in 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 all countries, it doesn't. Yeah, it's like we were talking about the the nunchucks and and throwing stars thing, which was you know we had an issue with over here, but yeah. it was wildly inconsistent. What was censored and what wasn't. And more recently, a PS three three sixty version came out. It's of course based on the X version. That was in September two thousand eleven with seven twenty p graphics, uh, widescreen presentation, achievements, trophies, online leaderboards and slight updates to textures. That reviewed similarly, if not ever so slightly better than the GameCube version all those years on. And there's also a PS4 version, which is one of the PS2 classic games that they've released on the PlayStation Store, which is essentially the PS2 code, but upscaled and up-resed and in 1080p. So it's a bit, yeah, it's like somewhere between the old PS2 classics on the on the on the PS3, but it's not quite as much of a, an enhancement as the Xbox One X previous gen games. But you do get trophies. Um, there's only been one review of that version. It was given 80 percent. But uh, uh, and sadly, at the time of recording, the Xbox 360 version is not backwards compatible with the Xbox One. Uh, looking at user reviews to sort of gauge how punters feel about Code Veronica at this stage. Moby Games, it has 4.0 out of 5 and over on IMDb it has 8.3 out of 10 from over 2,000 punters. According to Capcom, as of June 2016 the game sold 1.14 million copies since its initial release. Several of those were to me, but my history in a moment. Mikhail, when Code Veronica was hitting the shelves on the Dreamcast, were you a Dreamcast owner or did you wait for one of the subsequent versions? No, I wasn't a, a Dreamcast owner, and by the time it came out uh, on the GameCube, yeah, the it's exactly as I said before, um, the the remake just made it uh, pale in comparison. Mm. Um, so yeah, I wasn't really too keen on it, but after I got my uh, Dreamcast in 2010, as we uh, oh yeah, <laughs> as we already had a good laugh about That's in right. the Soul Calibur episode. It was one of those games that I was uh, very actively looking for because I always felt like it was kind of a Dreamcast game. I never went online to order it or anything like that. I was just like uh, looking looking out for it on retro gaming conventions and, uh, and everything. And I finally found it in a store somewhere, maybe in 2014 or something. Quite late, I, uh, mm. I came across it. I was already planning to play through all the Resident Evil games, so... I was uh, very eager to sign up for this uh, podcast episode to speed things up a little bit. So yeah. that this was the first time I actually played through the whole game, and that was the Dreamcast version. And I'm not sure where else to put this, so I'll put it here. But I got myself a PAL copy, mm. and I want to warn anyone who wants to play the game on original hardware and wants to play the Dreamcast version, don't get the PAL copy. Um, for starters, I don't think it's... 
now thinking back, I don't think it is uh, 60 hertz enables, enabled. Isn't it? I thought it was. Maybe it, No, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah it was one of those uh, Capcom games uh, published by Eidos. Uh, right. You know, same with Power Stone. Yes. Yeah. But what's worst is that it's going to be very likely that your disc 2 is going to be botched. Oh, yeah. Um, of course. I, I came... Uh, I, I cleared it with my uh, ex-downstairs neighbor. We were passing the controller around from safe to safe. And we got first disc we, uh, with, with the first boss battle uh, or the, that first big of a hump of a boss battle behind us. And nothing happened. It wouldn't, wouldn't read the, the disc. Uh, mm. So to make a very long story short... Uh, either you're going to have it's very likely that either you're going to have a copy which is missing a crucial file uh, that will tell the uh, Dreamcast that this is a, uh, a Dreamcast game disc right. or it's just not going to load in uh, rooms after uh, a very early section in the Antarctica base uh, with uh, wow. with Claire so that's what, what happened to me when I got a replacement disc that's that was the second thing that happened to me so Fabulous. I eventually uh, we also started playing God Veronica X for a little bit on the PS2 uh, but I also tracked an NTSC copy which didn't seem to have any such problems uh, which was uh, published by Capcom uh, and distributed uh, themselves in uh, America North America so I got myself a copy and just started playing through disc one all over again and made it through disc two without any hitches uh, in at least as far as the technical side is concerned and completed it yesterday yep good stuff yeah it should be said uh, as well as that warning off the pal version which is the version i bought initially back in back on launch um it is very easy to get hold of all the versions of Code Veronica on the Dreamcast. If you're a collector, you'll know this probably. Uh, and it's very easy easy to, even even if you have a PAL Dreamcast, all you need is a, a, a DCX disc, I think yeah. it's called. That's what I to, used. Yeah, to boot in, uh, in whatever region you want and 60 or 50 hertz uh, option as well. Yeah. So you can even force games like Power Stone into 60 hertz, which works, uh, which works very well. Darren... Uh, where were you with Resident Evil at this point and Dreamcasts? Um, yeah, the Dreamcast was an interesting console for me because it was a non-Nintendo console that I was feverishly playing at the time. Um, but purely because it was brand new graphics, you know, like it was yeah. like the next generation and I, want, I wanted to see everything really. And I was... Um, I used to go to school with a guy who had family, or probably still has family in Japan, so he was constantly getting imports over from, well, for the, the post, basically. I remember he had like House of the Dead 2 with the two guns, and he used to, before school, we used to play it with the two guns as a single player, and thinking we were super cool. And, uh, you know, Excellent. all the all the, all the Dreamcast, like, you know, all the classics, and the not-so-classics. And then Resident Evil came out on this machine, and i kind of forgotten about the series a little bit. Um, I'd never really played 3 a lot. Um, because I loved two so much that three kind of let me down at the time, uh, but I was very curious to see how you know a brand new generation of Resident Evil looks. So I had the Japanese import because I knew I'd be safe with the voice acting because it's all in English, and all I had to do was just deal with the menus. And it's it's fairly simple if you know Resident Evil, you, the puzzles might throw you off a little bit. Um, but luckily, I had a friend who could speak the language, so you know I, it it was kind of helpful. Um, so yeah, I had the the red sleeve edition. The, the plastic edition, it had a little red oh, sleeve yeah. and you know, had a jewel case inside it and you had a nice little, it's just a plastic red sleeve, you know, it was, it was, it was nothing exciting, but, you know, at the time it was all kind of... Made got, it feel special. Yeah, it did, definitely. Um, ever since, I played about half of it, I got to the mm. crisp bit and 
I I have false memories of this game because what I remember about this game right. did not happen in the game. I remember a giant spider underneath me across a bridge, kind of like a 2D platform section in kind of thing, you know, where the fixed camera and it never happened on my recent playthrough no. in January 2018. I was I was robbed of my memories and um <laughs> there was a giant spider spider under the ice. Uh, yeah, uh, no this this yeah. is this is a completely different memory and it's it's it, it <laughs> sounds like you your memory is uh, sort of fused various elements together to create a false memory yeah it's really weird and uh, yeah, kind of interesting um so yeah and yeah. i played this through uh yeah january uh this year uh, on the xbox 360 it went down to like three pounds 75 or something at one point i was waiting yeah. for it to go on sale i was like you know it's like the old waiting game versus you know when i've actually got to play this versus you know like how long yeah. do i leave it before you know, i was gonna pay like 15 quid for it and then it went down to like three quid the week after so i was quite happy about that and yeah, I was waiting for it to come on Xbox One backwards compatibility, but then I couldn't wait, you know, so I had to get the 360 out and uh, play it on that machine. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I've got a long on and off checkered history with this game. I bought it as soon as it came out on the Dreamcast, full price, started it several times, got stuck. Uh, it, it kept driving me away. I kept bouncing off it, as they say. Uh, we'll get into the reasons why that might be, but I always got to a similar stage, not that far in. Um, sometimes I get a little bit further, sometimes I get a little bit less far, but it was I, I got to know that opening sort of two, three hours rather too intimately uh, to, yeah, just kept playing it over and over again, and I felt I, I know we talked, obviously doing the series up to now, we talked about how survival horror part part of the the draw and the and the entertainment is about the tension the fact that the games keep you on the back foot but i felt that the opening sequ- sort of section to coveronica was was off-puttingly challenging and i i got to say you know i at the time i was I was, uh, yeah, I was pretty sold on the look of it. Uh, and, you know, it, it, like Darren said, you know, getting this before, you know, before I had a PS2 or anything like that, this was the generational jump. And uh, it was, yeah, it looked amazing. The the FMV was, was, you know, top tier and it was all very exciting, but I just couldn't, couldn't bring myself to push on and get past the, the sort of difficulty hump. I ended up uh, a memory that I, I, I even, uh, my friends take the mick out of me because I mention it quite a lot, is uh, I lent it to a, a friend of ours and I went round to his one day to find that he was using it as a plant pot stand. Uh, he had like a, a large aspidistra or something in a, in a big heavy clay pot full of earth just balanced on and you know what those dreamcast cases are like and the discs were in it as well um so yeah i was i took it back i said well you're not you're not keeping it after that uh, i don't think he was likely to play it anyway but uh but there you go was it a green um, herb or a blue herb or was it was it a homage it a, to the game or maybe it was it was a green herb See? that's a good point there you go <laughs> um yeah maybe or maybe he was doing a, a like uh, joey with the shining book thing and he yeah. was sort of hiding it under hiding it under a plant because he was so scared of it um <laughs> Anyway, so I got that copy back at some point. Um, yeah, kept it for a long, long time. Started it every ever so every so often, thinking this time I'll get through it. Then probably yes, I was spoiled by the the look and and design of of some of the the subsequent games. And yeah, ended up at some point I sold that copy. I didn't. I don't. I never. I'll never even know if I had a dodgy PAL version that didn't. Um, you know, 
uh, didn't load mm. rooms later on because I never got that far. See, I, so that would have been oh, torturous. I sold quite a few copies of this in the shop at the time, yeah. and no yeah. one ever came back with that complaint. Whether they didn't get that oh, far okay. or they just traded Maybe it, it was in. a bad batch. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. knows, Sam? Um, but that's there, I reckon there, a lot of people. There is a very big hump before the end of this one. Uh, this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So mm. maybe, a people, maybe a lot of people just never got that far into it. I reckon a lot of people never finished this game. I reckon a lot of people never finished this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I bought the HD version on PS3 when it came out, thinking this time, this time I'm definitely going to do it. I'd, I'd avoided the the PS2 version that was already available on PS3 uh, because it's the PAL version, uh, slow and boarded. Um, and yeah, but... I started it several more times in the in the seven years between when it came out and finally completing it last week. Uh, and yeah, closure and all that. And we'll talk <laughs> about how it feels and why it took so long. We've also got, as always, of course, some community correspondence from the forum, canarince.com slash forum. Simon Sloth says, Code Veronica is an interesting one as it's probably the last classic Resident Evil before the change to the much more action-oriented subsequent games. I'm not quite sure that's true because we still got zero to come, but uh, that's just my interjection. At the time, I remember being disappointed and finding it overly long and boring in comparison to Nemesis. To add to the disappointment, I had to press a button to climb stairs again. Playing it recently, I actually much preferred it. Its cosy adventure game trappings mixed with the familiar weapons and wacky storyline were a welcome relief. The survival aspect for me is heightened by some unfair design choices which actively work against you. There are character switches without opportunities to change loadout, leaving me to fight bosses with a knife and an accidentally forgotten fire extinguisher earlier in the game stopped me from being able to obtain the magnum. There's one chase scene which is almost impossible to beat without taking damage. Every walkthrough I have consulted advises two full healing items for this part. Obviously, repeated playthroughs would help, but remember this is a game without a difficulty setting, so having mastered the old games on easy and moved through the difficulty levels, I found this to be a lot more challenging. Being restricted in the ways I have previously mentioned are off-putting and detract from the overall experience. One welcome addition was the retry option, which would restart you at the beginning of certain boss fights. Thanks to this, I didn't give up where I perhaps would have been more ready to if this were absent. Overall, it was better than I remember it to be and will miss its strengths, but I'm glad to see the back of its quirks. Mm, I'm glad um, this comment or, you know, contribution mentions the adventure aspect of it because it it definitely reminds me of playing point and click adventure games. And I I think that's true for most of the, you know, the pre-fixed camera angle Resident Evil games. But in this one in particular, I found it to be... I don't know know what it is exactly, but it, it just reminded me of playing point and click games more so than the other ones. I'm not too sure exactly why, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy someone else has pointed that out because I thought it was just me. No. There is a, a lot of uh, pixel hunting in it, I guess. I, I guess yeah. that's it, you know, the, the, the pressing the A and just surfing along walls and finding stuff in corners <laughs> and, you know, the kind of obtuse puzzles. Yeah, it kind of all does make sense, but yeah, it's, um, I feel validated. Yeah, so we talked about the the fact that this had been uh, the start of development for this was alongside Resident Evil Three, and this was going to be three, and that was a guide in and and all that sort of thing. There are some slight slight quirks going straight from three to this, such as the uh, square and X button functions have been transposed, uh, and yes, it actually takes a step backwards seemingly and I remember thinking this at the time thinking that was weird the fact that you now have to press a button to go up and down stairs again which they'd actually done away with in the previous game Um, but there it is so we have to start with the graphics I think Um, it obviously I think famously 
Um, while the game keeps the sort of classic Resident Evil format, uh, for the penultimate time, if you don't include the remake, obviously there's zero to come. But um, this was the first that used polygonal backdrops instead of pre-rendered ones which allowed the camera to move around however generally the camera's uh, location is still fixed but uh, but there is some some movement there obviously the change from pre-renders to polygons uh, arguably detracts from the amount of detail there but the overall look was higher resolution on the Dreamcast and PS2 and so on than it was uh, the pre-rendered backdrops were on the PS1 so I think um, this divided people uh, how did you feel about this obviously um, well we didn't yeah it sounds like we we don't have so much experience at the time apart from me but how do you feel about this looking at it now Darren yeah um, I it's it's a weird one for me because in my head the Dreamcast looks better than what it actually does, and I I hate to be you know critical straight from the bat, but it doesn't look as good as I remember it, and I think mm-hmm. that's because the jump from N sixty four to Dreamcast back then was so oh. massive, like I couldn't it believe was. seeing Sonic Adventure running like that, that first level in that game, so crisp and just, and oh, just magic. Yeah, but then I look, it at, was like it was like going to four K from hd I, now wasn't uh, it it's just yeah I, I played in hd the other day and it was just such a letdown <laughs> anyway yeah. um so you're playing this i i like the fact that they went polygonal and they, they did something different and they used the dreamcast power to you know try something different and i i i like the style and i, I like the fact that the camera moves around and follows you a bit but the textures for me they just seem to be really uh, not what i expected from you know a dreamcast era game and that's probably true for most dreamcast games you know especially adventure games um where they have to have more detail on screen, but yeah, I was I was just a bit underwhelmed by just the general aesthetic of the of the world. Um, you know, Resident Evil for me is in my head is very iconic um, visuals, and even if it's like PS One era visuals, like, but I still remember the the mansion, you know, being absolutely iconic and stuck in my head. Whereas here, mm-hmm. it all kind of just seems a bit murky and a bit muddy and a bit. Oh, mm-hmm. nothingy. The the lighting on one hand is just absolutely incredible, and I still had some great moments where I was in a corner, preset camera angle, firing an AK forty seven in a dark corridor, and it just looked amazing. Like uh, even now, like on the on the Xbox, mm. Xbox three sixty, I just thought this is just stunning. Um, you know, and you, you got the swinging lights in the in the in some of the rooms, and it kind of casts a shadow nicely on the tables below and stuff. But uh, I just. I don't know, I kind of wanted more from the Dreamcast era game in 2018, and maybe that was stupid of me. Mikhail? I think it helped uh, for me uh, that I was, again, uh, playing on a on a CRT um, with an yeah. RGB cable. Yeah. And it, the game really has some very nice contrasts and uh, color use, if you look, look at it uh, mm. in that way. And, um, so the first thing that the game does is put you in the dark in a cell right yeah so and then it tells you maybe you should open your lighter to see what's going on yeah and you see the guy rodrigo is his name believe uh, i believe the the, like the, the prison guard standing mm-hmm. in front of you and i think that is really the key thing they wanted to show off right from absolutely the jump in the game the Just lighting the, the lighting yeah. uh yeah. in the game because of course you couldn't do that with pre-rendered backdrops yeah so i think that's it's almost like a mission statement look what we can do now ignore you know, the textures look yeah, at the lighting yeah look at the lighting indeed so yeah it's and there's a lot of that like in throughout the whole game with fires breaking out and uh casting light and shadows on the on the environment um yeah. I, I, overall i think i i'd go along with it that the game looks 
very nice in its own right. And I think it's probably one of perhaps the best looking Dreamcast game of its action adventure type. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you'll probably to find on on the can find on the system. Uh, but yeah. Now looking at it and having played the the remake and uh, Resident Evil Zero afterwards and going back to two and three, um, you do miss the ornate detail on those pre-rendered backdrops Um, and that sort of sort of atmosphere. It's all indeed a bit empty and and bland looking if you just look at the environments. it's funny when you uh, there. There's a, a show on YouTube called Classic Game Room uh, by Mark yeah. Bustler, and mm-hmm. he had an, a very early internet show with uh, with a friend of his or a, a college mate of his uh, called The Game Room, uh, yeah. which he also a- uploaded episodes from, and they have a, a Code Veronica review up there. Just and it, it's it, it's a video review that dates back to the time it came out in North yeah. America. And mm. it's so interesting to see just how wild they were with Code yeah. Veronica. And this looks so much better than the PlayStation games they were saying. Like, it just, you know, mm. it really makes those yeah. PlayStation oh, yeah. games look like old hat. Uh, yeah. It's inter- so interesting to see that reception. Yeah. Because, yeah, right now I might actually prefer 2 and 3 in the way they look yes. to Code Veronica overall. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, this almost plays into the, the conversation we've had so many times about 2d aging better than 3d because we are effectively talking about those pre-rendered backdrops are 2d and again they've aged arguably better depending on your tastes and eyes Mm. than the 3d you know i was there i bought this day one i was hugely excited by the the power of the dreamcast and like darren i thought everything looked so incredibly slick and smooth and high resolution it was like having a little coin op box in your in your home um and I obviously I was aware I think that the detail had dropped slightly but the fact that we now had these uh, some pretty slick smooth camera moves not quite as sort of memorable perhaps as the ones in Silent Hill around the same time but something just to I I also find that the camera moving around really helps me orient myself uh, in game so I was quite grateful for that and so that combined with the lighting meant that I wasn't so heartbroken at the loss of detail and yeah and because and because it's all relative at the time i was less conscious that the you know these were there were these big swathes of polygons with quite what now look like very low res low rent textures yeah. playing it now on ps3 obviously there are pros and cons to that so the pros are uh, everything's upscaled to 720p so you are you know everything is a little sharper so things like the actual the detail of the zombies you can pick out even better but that's that's a, a double-edged sword because it also makes things look a little more um you can you know you can kind of see the assets so and like you say playing on a on a a, a, a modern screen a, a 40 or 50 inch screen as i've been playing this on uh it does it, it sort of it casts a light on some of the some of the the shortcomings um but yeah. also, yeah, some of it, sometimes it, it looks just fine. Um, but yeah, the fact that uh, we were talking about the use of color and things like that. And um, obviously, you know, I fiddle around with the settings a bit and um, tried to get it optimal. But some of the herbs in this game are mm-hmm. almost invisible. <laughs> like the, 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 I don't know if, if it's quite as bad on a CRT on an older version, but certainly a lot of the, the sort of the object hunting is very much about um, the fact that 
with the lighting, the, the, the green and blue herbs are almost invisible in the shadows at times. Did you find that, Mikhail, playing on CRT? Not, or? not invisible, but they were definitely easy to miss if you, right. uh, yeah. if you didn't uh, yeah. Yeah, look around very carefully. But overall, there's still, uh, you know, there's um, sort of uh, in terms of locations, uh, we, we I think we were on the whole slightly critical of Nemesis not having so many memorable locations overall, mm-hmm. apart from maybe the clock tower. This game, I think, I, th- I think the mem- the locations are a bit more striking overall, like they're, they're a bit generic in the sense, you know, prison and, and military base and, and this stuff. But it's. Uh, it's a bit different. It's got a slightly different feel overall. And then, obviously, you've got the the nostalgia fan service bit of there's sort of replicas of bits of the the Spencer Mansion. Yeah. Um, I love. I still love the sequence where you get in the little mini sub and go underwater, and then the the, <laughs> the cameras like looking at you from the water into the building. Yeah. I still think that looks absolutely great. It, it makes the image all uh, like warbly and uh, yeah, 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 distorted, slightly washed yeah. out, distorted, yeah. Yeah, and also I think uh, what we shouldn't miss is, of course, that the character models look so much better than the, than the PS One games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, much higher res. Although this is the first and only Resident Evil game where the main character doesn't react when turning. Yeah, they stand still like a chess piece. Uh, so the other games had them kind of walking in pr- in place, which had its own sort of slight oh, goofiness yeah. to it. But here they do look a little wooden at times. I think. <laughs> yeah, and in terms of animation. Yeah, but in the real-time cutscenes, uh, uh, especially Claire shows some some good facial expressions, especially for the time. I think. Yeah, the, yes. the head turning during like when you're walking down corridors and stuff is pretty, you know, pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if that happens in previous Resident Evil games, but like you'll see a like a head kind of yeah, like, you know, being used actually. They look towards points of interest. Yeah, yeah that yeah. did that did come in with at least three, maybe two. Yeah, I think I noticed it more in this. I don't know why. Mm. Uh, maybe because I've played it recently and I just can't remember the other games. But yeah, I definitely remember when there's a zombie off screen and um, you know I couldn't quite hear it. I, the Claire's you know head would definitely let me know what's going on, which is kind of handy for a fixed position game. It's it's just little things like that that made the game a bit more a bit more enjoyable than what I was expecting. Also, because of all the trouble that, that I had with the PAL uh, Dreamcast version, uh, we started playing a little bit in uh, uh, Code Veronica X on the PS2, on yeah. original hardware. Yeah, And you can definitely tell this game was originally made for Dreamcast when you mm. played it two side by side because everything was a little bit murkier and muddier and yeah, yeah lack, lacking in, in contrast and yeah, it was of course also Although the PAL version of the Dreamcast version was also in 50 hertz, but yeah, it it you could definitely see that it's uh, yeah, it, it wasn't built for the for the PS2. Yeah, a bit originally. like the PS2 port of four, which we'll come to yeah. in a few months' time. Yeah, so I wonder if you because what you play nowadays on modern system is probably the the PS2 version of rest, right? No, I think it's based on the Dreamcast version. Uh, unless you're on the PS4, in which case it is the PS2 version. Yeah. But the the GameCube version was based on the Dreamcast version, and the modern versions I think are based on the GameCube version. Yeah. What? So the three the 360 and PS3 version that Darren and I played are based on Dreamcast, not PS2. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Uh, K Sub Zero on the forum says, "I would argue that the graphics are mostly a downgrade when compared to the original PS One trilogy, on account of the introduction of low polygonal environments that can look rather trite and lifeless at times, despite some some of the cool camera movements it enables." 
uh, yeah, that's his take on it. And I can understand that. And I think as, as Mikhail, you alluded to with the review scores kind of plummeting, I think if you went, even if, yeah, if you, if you went now and played one of the, uh, the remasters of Resident Evil Remake or Zero, and then immediately played Code Veronica after that on PS3 or 360, you would think it, it looked, yeah, pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, and it would take some reacclimatization because there's so much detail and, texture and and light and you know yeah. art that's gone into those those gamecube era games a final thing about uh the, the environments and the, the the detail in it i think it's at its most sore uh when you uh examine uh let's say a wall clock from up close or yeah. uh, other details in the scenery and you see the low res uh oh yeah uh, textures i think that because you're used to from the old games that you would actually see a very detailed pre-rendered scene uh yeah, uh, in that kind of situation. Yeah, definitely. Also on aesthetics, the audio, of course, plays a huge part in uh, in many games, but uh, survival horror is is uh, it's a crucial aspect. Now, uh, I think the the sound effects to talk about the yeah the diegetic sound first of all. Uh, I think there's some something somewhat of an upgrade over the PS One games, but I'm not sure how much more deep or expensive the audio environments are i think it, everything just seems a little uh, a little less compressed and a little uh, a little less murky but i don't think there are and maybe maybe i'm completely wrong about this but i don't feel that there were loads more sound effects and some of them are reused like the item chest and certain zombie moans and things like that so this feels yeah. like a, a mild step change to me yeah, I do think that the music was more memorable than in 3 for me, but it could also have been the extensive time I've spent with this game in comparison yeah. to 3. Mm. I was thinking mainly about the sound effects at this point. Right, yeah. Yeah, the, the sound effects for me are kind of why I... Not why I play Resident Evil games, but why I enjoy them during the down moments. Like, there's there's the you know the noises of sorting out your your inventory, like the blah, blah, blah. Like all those kind of noises to me that they are resident evil in a you know in a way like, yeah, yeah very much so if they change those noises in a future game you know I, I you know i definitely wouldn't have been happy but you know to hear those kind of noises again after so long of not playing the series it was just it's mm. just kind of like a little comforting thing um i'm glad they kept i'm glad they kept them as they were even if they are like you know ps1 noises but shiny <laughs> or you know better but uh, the sound overall i thought was okay you know um in terms of like the the environment around you, that nothing really made me go whoa like that's amazing. But the, the menu noises for no. me are exactly spot on. <laughs> like good work there. Yeah, yeah. There was a there's a lack coming to it now. Obviously, even games like you know, Dead Space is ten years old, but uh, games these games used to manage to you know put the put the wind up me a bit more than they do now, and that's mm. partly the fact that, you know that I'm acclimatized to them. Partly the fact that I'm older. Partly the fact that um, the, the the graphics of age but i think also it's just that the sound design isn't inherently designed to be i mean yeah it was at the it felt it just it did seem scarier at the time but the sort of the the, the zombie moans and everything seem a little yeah a little silly now um and there's still some yeah you know, some cool rooms where you've got like a some machinery thrumming and you're not sure whether it's the sound of a, an alien uh, alien an enemy you know kind of clanking about the place mm. or is about to leap out on you but uh i think sound design came came on so far in in the preceding uh, in the in the following few years yeah. and I, and I, has done again since 
I was uh, quite a bit spooked when I heard that, heard that loud thumping sound that the spiders make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> it's very ridiculously loud, actually. For, yeah, at least for what they but look things like. like there's very few. Uh, I'd say there's very few enemy noises that are just by themselves. You know, in some games, particularly some games of the last decade or more there are some enemies that's whose presence is mm. terrifying in itself and, and and even talking about you know we talked about nemesis and and his iconic growl of stars there's nothing in this game that like the band of snatches are these new enemies mm. with stretchy arms and yeah. uh, there's a big spider and but there's nothing that like as soon as it it was um in the room like the the hunters i'd say the hardest enemy in this game probably are the new poison the hunters ones, yeah, yeah. The uh, Red Hunters, they're squat and they're quite quick and they can yeah hurt you badly and poison you, but they don't have a particularly, you know, chilling cry or anything like that. And oh. yeah, the most chilling like cries when you when you uh kill them, but that's actually quite a relief then when that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yes, no, it's all, it's, yeah, there's nothing outside of the, the voice, the voicing, uh, which we'll come on to. Just thinking about it and then, I, I think there's a room in this game, well, I know there's a room in this game where you, you load in and right in front of you there's a zombie behind like a cage and he's caged in there and you have to obviously get in there and get yeah. the briefcase. But the, the, the crashing that he makes on the fence... When that first happened mm. to me in this recent playthrough, that actually made me jump a little bit. And also yeah. when uh, the yeah. dogs again uh, underneath one of the huts, they pop out of like a fancy kind of area, like a little grill yeah. underneath the... It's hard to explain. But I think anything yeah. that involves kind of metal noises in this game are, are actually quite... Mm. quite. Yeah, they, they resonated with me quite a bit. And I, I don't know why, but yeah, they, they seem to have a good job of just like just crashing metal. and. The, the, yeah, there's a few little jump scares, not, not tons yeah. in the game. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. Again, like overall, the just the audio for me was just you know just Resident Evil. Yeah, I don't know if this is a, the the right place to discuss it, but of the old school Resident Evils, uh, this is probably the game that frightened me the least. Mm. Uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't find the overall atmosphere and tension uh, as conveyed through the the graphics and the sound to be very creepy at all. Actually, mm. it was. Uh, mm. Yeah, just, but I did have have a good scares, uh, a few good scares. Like the, I remember this uh, office desk uh, area where I thought I was further away from a, a, a lying zombie on the ground than I thought I would be, and mm-hmm. when I would slowly inch forward, it all of a sudden grabbed my le- my leg. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which a few little... elicited a good curse for me. A few little classic moments. Yeah, and a, and a moment in the, the tank also where you drain this tank very late in the game and grab an item off it and. A hunter comes crashing out of nowhere oh, uh, yeah. and, and attacks you. And it happens also during a time where there's not really a whole lot going on in the game. Like, you know, yeah. not a whole lot of, not not really a lot of monsters around anymore. I just found that really yes. predictable though. You know, you do a thing and a thing happens. I just thought that's just typical. Yeah, but there were so many moments in the game where you do a thing and you grab something and nothing happens. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so, so, yeah. I, yeah, I was really faked out uh, at that moment. Yeah, I still find myself, even now, less so, but I st- do still find myself going into a new location, holding my breath, and that you know that's oh. a sign that something's working. The one that I remember at the time being genuinely quite shocking was a little cutscene where uh, there's that guy trapped in that room, and oh. he, he gets his face slammed up against the glass, yeah. and I thought that was really quite brutal. Uh, yeah. It doesn't look so terrifying now or horrific but at the time it was like blimey that's strong that was a, that was quite a strong horror moment i thought uh but yes time has diminished it i, I would suggest 
Uh, the music then. Yes, so Takeshi Miura is the main composer, uh, aided and abetted by Hijiri Anze and Sanei Kashahara. All new names, I think, to this series, possibly with the exception of, of Miura-san. Um, yeah, uh, I like the savour music in this one uh, very much. Uh, I find it very pleasant. Savour of music, always the most important thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the other music cues, are, I think, are, are quite generic. And, and, and yeah, by this point, it's really starting to seem it feels more apparent that the the music is all you know it's it's kind of it's it's not expensive it's not there's no orchestras there it's all done on yeah relatively um i'm sure you know i'm sure very nice synthesizers and and equipment but it does it does sound like it doesn't sound hollywood blockbuster quality it sounds quite uh a bit plasticky if you know what i mean i've got to say anyone else have any strong feelings on the score not really i was just kind of disappointed that there was no earworm for this game for me um you know one has right. some tunes that ring in your head after you played it two i can still hear the police station music in my head now as yeah. i think about it for this game mm. you know the, the savory music is obviously it's, it's such a nice relief to hear when you walk through that door and you don't know it's a save room and it's like oh it's just magic uh yeah uh, but otherwise just again it kind of falls in line with this sort of sound effects for me it's just kind of resident evil which is which is fine but um yeah nothing stands out All right, let's talk about the scenario and the story and the characters and the cast and the writing and the performances holistically. Uh, We'll start with K-Sub-Zero from the forum who can kick us off by saying, I think it's fair to say that Code Veronica is by far the most idiosyncratic title of the classic series. However, and despite a lot of its elements suffering from rather mediocre execution, that's also what makes it one of the most interesting ones. The main thing I'd like to praise is the game's dedication to its unique setting and mostly new set of supporting characters. Both Rockfort Island and the Antarctic base feel like their own locations instead of simple retreads of Raccoon City, despite the nod towards the original mansion. Both the melancholic soundtrack and intricate level aesthetics set the mood very efficiently. The Ashfords are some of the series' most memorable villains, mostly thanks to their exuberant writing and the fact that they aren't yet another couple of umbrella-centric scientists or soldiers. I understand the hate directed at Steve, but I personally don't have much of a problem with his inclusion. Not only do I not really feel the need to have sympathetic and charismatic characters leading every story, but I've always interpreted his character as being deeply traumatised by the events he's witnessed, scared for his life and overcompensating by trying to awkwardly impress his attractive female companion at every turn i mean he's 17 years old and has just lost both his parents from that perspective i think his writing mostly makes sense wesker's return is a bit of a damned if you do damned if you don't situation on one hand this game is the one that cemented him as the series hyper charismatic main villain and chris arch enemy on the other the introduction of his and alexia's superpowers was a bit of a watershed moment that may have hurt the overall franchise in the long term Splitting the game in two segments, each with their own playable character, as well as the overall sibling thematic that goes with it, is one of the game's strongest points. Romantic and parent-children relationships are very common, but a story being centred around two pairs of siblings opposing or contrasting each other is a relatively fresh concept that is very well executed. Furthermore, it doesn't opt for the easy solution of portraying protective male figures by way of turning their respective female figures into incompetent damsels in distress, which I think is a plus. Subtlety can be a very powerful tool. So, uh, well, my take is that I agree with uh, Camille about the locations being, uh, at least, yes, uh, they do feel different to what has gone before the city and the mansion. Um, They do feel like uh, their own 
place uh, we hadn't been anywhere quite like yeah particularly the antarctic base before so that does give the game perhaps slightly more of its own identity compared to the others um so yeah let's talk uh, also about uh, the the creepy incest twins <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously, it's a horror. It's a classic horror trope to have creepy twins. Thinking about The Shining, also they have, there's the whole Children of the Damned kind of uh, look about them, um, and yeah, I think that it's it's fine in theory, but I think the execution. We've obviously we've spent time talking about the the quality of the writing and performances in Resident Evils up to this point, and for me, I found them and. Uh, Less so Alexia, but but Alfred particularly and Steve, uh, it was excruciating at points for me. It was it was just and I had to just I had to laugh because to try to take it seriously would have been would have been folly. That's that was my take on it anyway. I thought that it was yeah it was very schlocky and um yeah the some of the some of the voice performances were uh yeah nails down a blackboard stuff. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't know that it could get much worse after we done the Tenchu podcast this year. I was like, surely voice acting doesn't get much worse than Tenchu, like going back. And then mm-hmm. I played this and I was just like, oh no, like what I've, I don't understand how this kind of happens, um, you know, because I'm not a game developer. But yeah, to some of the some of the voice acting in this game, uh, you know, pretty much all of it actually just didn't, did just, <laughs> it's laughable for me. And um, it's just as well that I don't get that invested in the story as a franchise, because if I was, you know, a massive fan of the f- franchise and, you know, these kind of voices came out of the characters that I love, I'd be, oh, well, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> um, so Alfred is completely over the top, right? Yeah, completely. Uh, it, just like I am By the design. commander of this base, you know the, his whole delivery and the, yeah. his his laughter. But he really cracks and he really falls apart. And I think this is kind of intentional when it's revealed he's uh, uh, dressing up as his uh, sister Alexia, yeah. who is not uh, at play at that point in the storyline. No, line. she's and this in is a very storage. Yeah. Right, this is a very strong nod to Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, of course. Yes, yeah. you know it's it even has a similar scene of Alfred talking to Alexia, and uh, Claire can't quite see that there aren't two people in the room. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that that's actually effectively quite quite creepy, more so than the monsters and the and the scares in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe the hammy hammy voice acting makes it even a little bit more creepy at that part. Yeah. I think I think the FMV with the you know with the twins and the fact that he you know he looks he looks rather too you know creepily loving at her the fact that he's obviously got feelings of a sexual nature for his sister is just something you know it's it's a it's something that by nature kind of you know creeps us out freaks us out is you know we feel it's we feel incest is unnatural and uh that sort of it's, yeah obviously we we they, they did touch upon incest before in in Resident Evil 2 um and and it was yeah it was icky there as well um and some sometimes unfortunately you know touching on such a, a touchy subject is uh is i think it's yeah it's, it's not something i think you you should shy away from but i think when you're when you're writing and acting uh you know the script and performances are so uh over the top 
Yeah, um, th- this, I is think my, this is my point it. about Alfred. So before mm. he was just a very over-the-top cartoonish villain. Uh, then his, his the cracks start to show and his Alexia persona starts coming through while he's wearing his uh, yeah. uh, uh, antique army commander outfit. Yes. Uh, and this is where the voice acting... Uh, I think the intention of the actor was probably to really show the duality of two persons in one character. But yeah. this is where the voice acting goes into... Uh, you know, this is where it Absurdity. ends up on the list of worst voice acting ever uh, in uh, yeah. s- certain popular YouTube videos uh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. sound sound bites uh, yeah. from it, because it's it's just unreal how uh, how awful it sounds. At that and point. I think as with Psycho, I think does it blatantly cheats with the voice acting as well, doesn't it? So when you first meet Alfred, it. it he's voiced by a man but later in when you learn that he is uh he's also you know he's got some kind of dual personality or or you know obsessive uh situation going on with his sister that's when the act the acting is actually sounds to me like it actually changes gender yeah yeah uh, it does it does seem like that yeah yeah which which is obviously which is what happens in in psycho a, a woman does mother's voice until yeah. until you learn that Spoiler for Psycho, <laughs> the, the 1960 uh, uh, average it film. Um, we should be right. But how do you guys feel? Because one thing I will say, while I'm not like massively invested in all the Resident Evil lore, um, because we talked so much about the the you know, the sort of the fantastic uh, setting of that first game and the Spencer Mansion, all that, I did mm. enjoy in a fan servicey way getting to learn a bit more. Obviously, it's ret- it's retconned. It's all written after. Yeah all that was written about the history of the Spencer mansion and the, the you know, the maternal figure of Veronica and uh, uh, the, the twins father and the whole sort of, yeah, the whole setup to umbrella corporation and sort of learning the machinations behind, behind the scenes was just, yeah, it's just a bit of fun in that kind of, yeah. In that kind of way. Yeah. Very much agreed. It's uh, it's good fodder for if you, mm. especially if you follow the series along. Mm. But and- yes, uh, personally, I could do without Wesker being a, a villain or a supervillain because, again, he's just so two-dimensional, cartoony, <laughs> shade-wearing, moustache-twirling, not that he has a moustache. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I know um, some people are like massive fans of Wesker as this kind of supervillain, but, yeah, I just think it's uh, it's just really pretty weak stuff. Yeah, the, the series for me always starts off the same and tails off the same. I'm, I'm quite excited by the start, by what's happening, you know, uh, cutscene-wise. You know, in this game, you have that cutscene of them pulling the flies' um, wings off and then they just stare at each mm. other and the camera zooms in on the lips and you're like, oh, this is just weird, man. Um, yeah. but, but by the end, it always happens. Like, it just tails off into crazy land and it all kind of started when True. you leave the palace and Wesker's there and you're like, oh, don't bring him into this game. No, like... I've seen him at- depending on which version you're playing oh, yeah. of course because if you play I think if you're playing the the pre X version Wesker's barely involved oh, at all if at all oh, it sounds he? a bit better to be honest <laughs> he shows up in uh, about two oh, scenes two three oh, okay. scenes yeah and uh but the I th- believe in the X version he has some sort of super vi- yep. super power sh- yes Dragon Ball Z mm. show off with uh, with Alexia, whereas yeah. in the uh, version that I played, the Dreamcast version, he uh, just gets smacked around twice by yeah. uh, Alexia, and he quickly tails uh, yeah. r- runs with his uh, tail behind his legs. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure why they they made that decision, but yes, there's a whole extra end scene, and the 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 end the the end sequence is expanded quite. Yeah, probably it's probably about double in length the original end sequence, and it's all about Chris and and Wesker mm. becoming you know kind of arch enemies. But yeah, it's it's for me it's pretty yeah, it's pretty pretty weak stuff. I mean, obviously it does set up future installments, and and so it's useful from that point of view. But um, yeah, the you know the Wesker's lines are just such you know it's it's like it's like um it's like something out of Knight Rider, and it's like yeah it's like. Garth versus Michael Knight kind of level of scripting. It's uh, it's pretty poor. Yeah, and Steve. Oh yeah, and Steve. We must talk about Steve. Yeah, I, uh, I, th- I think uh, <laughs> I, I like uh, K Sub Zero's um, yeah. interpretation of Steve, mm. and there are Very probably te- teens <laughs> like uh, Steve who are just annoying, but that doesn't make him a character that you really ever feel the biggest of sympathy for and his his creepy behavior towards claire also plays into that and just his just his ridiculous demeanor so when he dies under horrible conditions i didn't feel like sobbing along with claire when that happens you know no and i think maybe that's what you what uh, the writers would have wanted out of that situation oh goodness me yeah hard to imagine that anyone could write and direct that scene and then expect people to actually feel emotion about it <laughs> other than <laughs> any emotion beyond uh, ridicule yeah my favorite scene in the whole game i think was when steve uh gets so distracted checking out claire from behind that he floods an entire base <laughs> with poison gas <laughs> oh, he's such an idiot if we could swear on the show again you know i'd say a few words yeah. but um, there's yeah, that's what I've I've written in my notes actually. <laughs> the, the word that I don't say on the show about Steve. You know, and it's fine to have uh, a, a kind of a, in my in my head the, the way he talks. He, you know, he's kind of nervous, shy, geeky character. It reminds me of um, one of the characters from A Family Guy or American Dad. You know, the, I think he's called it's called Neil in one of the cartoons, and he's got braces and stuff. You know, and that's fine. It's just, but the stuff that he does is just ridiculous. Uh, I just like yeah. there's that bit where he sees his father as a zombie, right? And he's and the the, the zombie father's about to munch on Claire, and he just yeah. freezes. Which is again, like this is all fine, but it's just the way it's done. It's just really, really like cheesy and just yeah. And then he does the kind of the the sort of cliched eighties action movie ah! thing father! when he's shooting, and it just it just oh, and look and, so and, and that. And that moment where uh, you, uh, Claire is locked up in uh, Alfred's playground uh, fighting a, a second Bandersnatch, and he comes crashing through the window, mm. uh, like with his with his twin submachine guns, very and Matrix, and starts starts running towards the Bandersnatch, and unloading in its face and uh, kicking it in the chest and what what have you. It's yeah, it's it's really over the top, and then his sort of his like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess some people dine out on that stuff, and and if you do, if you're into yeah. all that kind of, it, it's sort of it's the sort of um, Dante, you know, the original Dante out of Devil May Cry kind of cool. Only I'm going to say that Dante was actually kind of better, better performed than than Steve. I but, think he uh, could pa- Dante could pass off more as a cool person than uh, than Steve. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah, bit, bit, bit of an embarrassment. Um, yeah. uh, joining the long funny. line of funny, yes. still, but well, uh, yeah, joining amu- the long, amusing, but joining the long line of sidekick characters who are never spoken of again. Yeah. Um, we should also address, um, and and it, and it comes up again in our three word reviews. There's some really spiteful transphobia, yeah. um, mainly by Claire, actually. Yeah. Um, now I could, uh, you know, you could make an argument that when she calls him a cross-dressing freak, she's calling him a freak is somebody who happens to be cross-dressing mm. but the 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 intonation is 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 very uh it's it's strong and it's it's mean and there are all sorts of reasons not to like alfred the fact that he's trying to kill you yeah. um but yeah it's um yeah it's, it, it dates it quite badly i think yeah that's, yeah that's really unfortunate. i mean i guess that's 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 just claire you know she's a she's a biker chick she, yeah, she, doesn't, she, she doesn't play she, the political correctness uh, yeah thing. she yeah. she claire she just, knows she, the LGBT she tells it like people. it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah uh, listening to it the first time in this year this year i was like did she just say that and i had to go onto youtube and listen to that cutscene again i was like oh no because I, I probably just glossed yeah. over that when i was you know 18 years younger i just didn't yeah. even think about it um no sure but yeah now it's kind of now i'm older and wise i'm like oh man like I, yeah okay <laughs> like <laughs> you shouldn't have said that come on uh, let's let's just move on i would have liked to see you in this situation facing alfred you know what what would you have said in the heat of the moment I, yeah it's true you might you might come out <laughs> as something inappropriate or, or offensive I, it's definitely it's definitely happened in life but um but yeah it's a bit different when you're scripting fiction isn't it you can actually elect to not say those mm. things but yeah <laughs> this is a this is a game from almost 20 years ago from a different part of the world if you want to make that excuse cultural reasons and all that kind of thing yeah. but yeah she was you know she was performed by by an american actor who maybe should have said that's not very nice <laughs> but uh, probably just grateful for the work yeah um yeah i should say claire's performance actually is is not you know it's not it's 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 okay i think it's not there 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 weren't moments of two minutes apart from her crying um where alison court uh the actor actor does um i think she does okay with with the job which probably you know compared again compared to the we were bear in mind we were only three or four years on from you were almost a jill sandwich Mm. and the master of unlocking and all that so we have to cut it a certain amount of slack Chris um, is very bland. His, uh, oh. his voice acting and his performance in the game, totally it's like yeah. zero charisma. Yeah, but all in all, in the, the the voice acting as a whole, and Alfred and Steve at least make the uh, voice acting memorable, memorable. <laughs> in the game yeah. more so than what we yeah. found in Re- Resident Evil Three, where it just it's just overall kind of forgettable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I found fair. it really uh, kind of. Underwhelming that you kind of abruptly get shunted over to play in this, Chris. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, I wasn't quite ready for this. I know someone's mentioned it earlier in the community feedback, which is great. Again, um, but I was just like, oh man, I was enjoying playing as Claire. You know, you don't like mm. you know, Claire Redfield is probably my favourite character in the series, and I haven't got many favourite characters because it's Resident Evil characters. But I, I, I do feel like Claire's, you know, top tier for me, and to be. You just like her because she's out there with her political incorrectness. I'm down there with Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I was checking her out from behind. No, I wasn't. No. Um, <laughs> no, I just think it's nice just to play as someone that isn't me. And then, we're, we're, not that I'm saying I'm Chris Redfield, but he's similar to me than a female. And it's just like, oh, I've got to play as a... Oh, no. I, 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 I like playing as other characters that don't resemble my face and hair. And um, yeah, it was a bit of a rug pull moment that I wasn't quite expecting. Mm. I think the weirdest moment in the whole game for me was when, as Chris, you find Claire 
and he just and there's no cutscene. He just like you click on Claire, who's been sort of trussed up in this, you know, sort of aliens esque mucus mm. bond or something, and you just click on it and say, "Oh, it's Claire. I need to cut her free with something." It's <laughs> <laughs> so just like he was kind been, of expecting it. Yeah, it was like it was so low key. And then when you cut her out, you get the scene, of course, you know, where they're reunited. And I'm starting to actually wonder about Claire's feelings for uh, Chris's feelings for Claire at this point. Seems a little more than sibling uh, affection. But uh, I'm sure that's just my gross interpretation. (laughs) But that was just weird when he's like, oh, yeah, that's Claire. I was was thinking, oh, maybe there's a secret room or something behind here. No, it's Claire. It's the whole reason you're you're even in this Mm. game. I don't think I would have gone behind there straight away if I hadn't played remake before this. Because in the remake, there's a bit that goes down there. There's a door. So I went around there thinking there'd be the door because it's you know it's aping the original mansion. Which when I got to that point in the game, that's when I the fire in my belly to play the rest of it was there. I was like, they're 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 doing it. I couldn't believe it. And um. You know, it's not the whole mansion, don't get me wrong, but it's the few rooms that I remember as being absolutely mm. terrifying during the PS1 days. Like that bit with the, the, the room, the blue room with the statue in. When I when I was a kid playing that, I couldn't play it. I had to turn <laughs> it off. Like, off, that game is terrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and, they, and they mixed up a puzzle in yeah. there as well, which is quite... Yeah, quite I really fun. appreciated that. Yeah. I think that this, the weirdest thing with uh, Chris's uh, uh, entrance on the scene is just like the... It, it makes the whole plotline of um, um, Claire looking for Chris uh, a, a little bit uh, wonky. Like first she's out there, you know, traveling to Paris to look for Chris, mm. and she ends up in the prison, and she's escaping from there. And then Chris is just showing up out of nowhere looking for for Claire again. It's like you know, the, like you know, get each other, write down each other's phone numbers or something. Uh, clearly he was not in uh, in peril or anything. He's just uh, globe trotting around. There's also using the computer very early on to send an email to Leon to oh, yeah. uh, to warn Chris to tell Chris uh, yeah. uh, that uh, he should be looking out because their uh, umbrella is uh, is tracking him. So it, yeah, it's it's really it all seems very hackneyed. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's get on to the actual gameplay then. So I think in a way it's fair to say that, yeah, this was, we know this was developed almost alongside, although it ended up coming out somewhat after Resident Evil 3. Uh, some of the gameplay elements take on almost a step backwards, you could argue, with the with the use of buttons. Um, the sort of, a lot of the, the dodging and stuff that was they were starting to bring in with 3 is kind of missing again. Uh, other additions and revisions compared to previous games? I would say not a lot, really. A um, few different weapons. Um, the, the everything kind of all the all the staples, the the, the herbs and the uh, first aid sprays, the ink ribbons. Everything's still here. Safe rooms, typewriters, item chests. Um, yeah. Other than the, I mean, the, there's a there's a bow gun that's slightly different. Mm. Um, and you can you can mix uh, mix the ammo uh, mix the bow ammo with uh, gunpowder to make explosive a very effective weapon. Uh, there's some uh, guns which are full of uh, like a percentage of ammo, but that's also not that, not that debuted had, in this series. No, that was in Resident Evil Three as well. Yeah, the, uh, totally. But what is new is the dual wielded weapons mm. uh, oh, that yeah. uh, okay. target multiple uh, enemies uh, yes. at once. Yeah. Um, Overall, uh, I think that the the progress and, and and you know kind of making your way through this game felt very hard earned to me. Um, mm-hmm. As I say, to the point that I got 
driven away from it on multiple occasions over the course of 17 years. Um, the the early section with the metal detector and the security box, which, by the way, you can forget to go back to and get your items out of later in the game. Um, there's just it just feels like there's not nearly enough safe rooms and health uh, to to see through that section. Now, may, maybe I just want my, I want it easy, but this, this game has no selectable characters, no difficulty selector uh, mm. s- selection. So it really seemed like they they wanted you to kind of battle through the early stages and then there are various spikes throughout the game and we we all talked about this particular one it's kind of the halfway stage it is the end of disc one as it was in the in the old version um there's a boss fight on a plane with a tyrant uh, which is like notoriously infamously really hard um yeah. and you need you need to have a certain amount of ammo with you. You need to have. I mean, you can avoid taking damage. It is possible, but it's not easy. Um, and yeah, the first time I got there, I had not nearly enough stuff, so I ended up rolling back a save. Going online, if you look this stuff up online, the amount of people who say, "Yeah, you'll probably have to start again," <laughs> like there's there's loads of people who, especially if you haven't kept rolling saves, if you've used up too much ammo or health or put it out of reach is you know if it's if it's not within reach at this point yeah. you are boned you know it's yeah. the, like th- this is this is basically you've come this far and you are not coming any further if you haven't played well enough up to this point and you haven't prepared and it seems yeah and it and like if if the boss fight was awesome and really fun you could forgive it and i think there's a cool element to it the fact that you're trying to shunt mm. this thing out the plane with a with a a ridiculous machine uh, <laughs> that has no place on the back of a plane yeah. but Cat- yeah catapult the luggage <laughs> but i'm so glad you know because you you guys have both uh caught up with this game before me and i was yeah forewarned and even then i wasn't ready when i first got there i had to roll back about yeah, an hour to yeah 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 um i think this point really made me realize um that the series the, the they've been trying to take the series in a more action action-oriented route maybe already from resident evil 2 and we spoke about the controls in resident evil 1 and i Mm. what i didn't really make explicit is that i thought the tension i'm i'm of my theory is that the 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 tension inducing of the limiting control scheme uh, is kind of a byproduct uh more than maybe um the original goal uh so uh right you know, a byproduct of trying to fit a, um, yeah, to, make, to create a sensible uh, control scheme with a controller approaching something like the navigation with a mouse in a in a in a graphic adventure. Mm. But I think that this, the more action-packed the Resident Evil games became, and the um, the more these controls started letting you down as a player, because I would have killed for the dodge of resident evil 3 at this moment yeah because usually we fought tyrants before tyrants before in the uh, and we fought nemesis in uh, resident evil 3 and mm-hmm. uh, the tyrants in 2 and uh and the first game uh or the mr x's or what have you and you usually fight these creatures with their rushing attacks and their big mass in a large open space but now you're in a small 
uh, freight freight uh, cargo section of an of an airplane. Yeah, very and confined. You can fall out the back of the plane or get knocked out the back of the plane. Yeah, and that mother f just uh, rushes you, and you know, just even trying to evade it and and run in circles around it, it's uh, dashing attacks sort of autocorrects and homes in on you while you yeah. make mm. your way and it's so yeah it's it's you you yeah if you don't use certain tactics you're just going to burn through health items uh, at that point trying to wound it badly enough to where the catap- the the luggage or the cargo catapult thing can actually push it off the plane mm. yeah i uh, uh, can't add any more to that that boss is terrible and it made me so angry when i first started attempting it i think i left it for a night and came back the next day and just did it in the first couple goes you know typical stuff but you know so often mm -hmm. the way but you know the the general gameplay for this game uh you know it's resident evil and um i find that the the polygonal backgrounds or you know environments so to speak not backgrounds they make things Mm. for me harder to see when it comes to pushing things around um so you oh, know, like right. the pre-rendered, and then you have that box on on a PS One game, and it's just like yeah. aliased through the roof, and you can just see the jaggies on the box, and you're like, "Well, I can push that because yeah. it's clearly not pre-rendered." Yeah, here it kind of made me <laughs> yeah. think a little bit more about what I needed to do, and you know how to get to things, which I appreciated because it is it's that kind of game. You know, you do have to think about yeah. what to do and how to do it. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, um, the the dual building's a cool thing. Uh, uh, but a uh, typical Resident Evil fear is that you um. You don't want to. I, I think I ended up finishing the game with a hundred percent machine gun ammo because like, there's, yeah. like, there's one bit where you play as Steve in a little kind of aside, and you, you know you have to run through this area. I, I, Shoot him yeah, up. Yeah, just pure like die hard, just running through, just guns blazing. Yeah, that was kind of cool to have that. Not that it's kind of for me fits in with the theme of the series, but it was nice to see that I could yeah. just not care about this section as much and just run through it and just blast on because you don't care about uh, steve's ammo reserves right, yeah. right so you can just uh, mm. blow through it uh, what i re I, what I, it's kind of a double-edged sword about the way this game is set up uh as an adventure game um i really liked that it's sort of maybe much less linear than three and two were mm-hmm. uh, the way the, the, the different areas and the maps are laid out. And mm. it's possible to take different sequences uh, through this game. Uh, yes. For example, like the, the two uh, blue eagle plates uh, mm. that are in the game, you can use them at two different uh, sections. And, mm. you know, that, that gives you a different, a different uh, order to do things in. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, it's also very easy to miss things in this uh, game. There's a lot of optional stuff and optional op- optional weapons uh, yeah. to uh, and, and ammo to find and uh, and items. Um, yeah, and an example of that would be getting the uh, medicine back to Rodrigo uh, mm. and getting uh, the lockpick in exchange for the lighter. Yep. Which allows you to open uh, uh, cases with, uh, with several special items, ammo cases, and, and several uh, several doors as well. Yeah, containers. Yeah, and containers. Um, especially the whole Rodrigo thing is an ongoing thing because if you don't save him, he doesn't show up later and doesn't get eaten by the worm. Yeah, uh, and if you don't kill the worm immediately, you also miss the chance on some uh, some extra weaponry. Mm. Yep. Um, and what what really got me and my friend playing through the game uh, the the first time time getting through <laughs> disc one uh, was uh, that we weren't following a walkthrough, 
so we're trying to make sense of everything ourselves yeah uh, there's a lot of backtracking that way because you yeah. walk through one far the maps are really big in comparison mm-hmm. to the previous Re- resident evil game so you walk through to one end of the map and you, you're kind of stuck you can't get, go through there so you walk then you walk maybe to the military facility and try things there and don't get much further then you go back to the prison facility ah yeah. you, you find yeah. out you can do something over there you know and um, and then when you make a little bit of progress there you need to go back to to alfred's mansion yeah. and do something uh, over there so and if you make progress it repopulates often uh the path yeah. between the two so that's how you can burn through that's, ammo unnecessarily yeah, there, there's a lot of repopulation of enemies as well yeah i think mm. maybe that's what makes the game f- probably felt so unfriendly to you every time you yeah. you, you play through that uh, that yeah. part of the game good for uh, tension but not good for actually wanting to carry on i found yeah. but your mind i hate the then. repopulation of yeah. enemies um when it feels artificial um some games do it really well yes. but here yeah. um i just feel like they just repopulated some areas just for the sake of it like, yeah Co- completely yeah. yeah i totally agree previous games they actually showed it happening often yeah. in cutscenes as well whereas here it's just like oh now there's four more just regular zombie dudes in this room because you because now is the time for you to it's come just, back it's, here. Just, it's, it's just rubbish yeah. like in my opinion and but the, the reason why i found the medicine goes back to rodrigo is because i like to scour each room there's a certain point where i've kind of had enough of pushing forward and i just go right i'm going to go back for all the rooms that i've done before going to go in there and mm. see what i've got now that i didn't have before that can help me out and you know luckily the message went to the guy and i got the you know the lockpick really great but then there's no sense of like conquering an area in this game um like with the previous one mm-hmm. like not so it's just much like no. uh, the, the corridor kind of areas seem to have more zombies in than what i'd left and it's just like i kind of wished that there's <laughs> this kind of progression for me with resident evil it's like right i know that room is empty now it's less so with the remake because if you forget to burn them the crimson heads come back and but that's done like in a genuinely kind of in a genuine more organic way so to speak here it's just like yeah, yeah just yeah. drop some more zombies in oh, okay okay more band of snatches just <laughs> jump over a wall and come at you it, i guess they were unsatisfied without themselves hence the invention of the of the crimson heads mm. uh yeah it's, it's, it is a dichotomy from the designer's point of view i think because you do you don't want players to lose any sense of tension because Maybe then, it's a design decision, especially because the ma- the maps and the areas are so big. Yeah. Because they didn't want you to walk through a about. lot of empty yeah. halls and, and spaces. And you yeah. do get a lot of ammo. And, and in a way, you do get a lot of ammo. Yes. In a way, I think. Um, in a way, I th- yeah, I think you sh- you should have to think that there's the possibility of new mm. enemies. Um, I, I like you also like the comfort of feeling like I've cleared out zones mm. and I don't like the feeling of leaving things untidy but I have in this in this run through the games I have started to make my peace with doing more swerving and dodging mm-hmm. yeah, and, and not worrying too much about about I've, certain... I've had some, uh, some classic zombie fake out uh, moves <laughs> yeah, so yeah, really yeah, satisfying yeah. to put them on the wrong foot and then <laughs> yeah, swerve yeah. around them yeah yeah, yeah. it's almost <laughs> like uh, football ah. you know like a like a like a body Definitely. faint um, yeah. Yeah. kind of thing there, so. there's, the, there's this bridge uh, to uh, the, the sort of a ca- castle uh, place oh, where yeah. Alfred and Alexa room is oh yeah that's which really at one point it's like tough. really populated mm, with zombies yes. there's like a ton of them and i did an, a perfect swerve through this whole mess oh, of beautiful. Zombies nice yeah. yeah no i never managed that i ended up wasting well not wasting but using a lot of ammo in that yeah, section I think that, 
I, I think I put some the second time I played through it. I just pumped some flame yeah. rounds into the the whole uh, the, the, the way I the, the way I take these zombies down is I I go for a first takedown with a gun and then I run over, switch to the knife, even though it's a bit cumbersome with the menu. But I always equip the knife yeah. and just stab the floor as hard and fast as I can and then run away. Yeah, that's classic. Classic yeah. resi plus that's 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 higher level resi play. That is yeah. the uh, using using the knife is generally yeah the sign of somebody who's who knows what they're Someone's doing. Someone's just scared of using ammo basically, and then I, I end up finishing the game <laughs> that, with about nine that. million bullets. Um, oh okay, no, I really. Uh, but, um, yeah. the, the shotgun in this game doesn't have that same head popping satisfying noise going back to the sound effects. Like I it just that no, it's, it's a weird yeah. thing to say, and it's a bit kind of torture pornish i guess but in the ps1 games no, there's such a pop it's like a water balloon <laughs> popping you know yeah. it's like push yeah but in this one yeah. it's just like yeah no they took that yeah, away they did, didn't yeah. they it's a bit, yeah um, and I, I i don't know if it was a censorship issue or or yeah whether the designers of this game just felt it was too kind of yeah schlocky or, or whatever yeah uh, and claire also didn't kick the heads off rolling when they started gnawing no. their ankles yeah there's generally a lot less dismemberment and full-blown mm. kind of yeah splash um but actually yeah there, there are like that moment i mentioned earlier there's some quite kind of yeah it's brutal but overall yeah i'd say the horror is dialed down a bit the actual you know the kind of the you know even just people transforming horrifically and all that there is a little bit of that but it doesn't feel there's less kind of ooh, there's yeah, ca- less it, kind of there, gnarly moments it's not really like a grotesque mutation or anything it's mm. just like a, bit, a little bit of blowing up maybe some some stuff sticking out, but that's only about Hulk it. Steve. Yeah, yeah, Hulk Steve and the Nosferatu oh, thing, which sprouts a few extra limbs. Yeah, um, Hulk Steve was mentioned there. Yes, that's the one that you have to run away from, and you do take damage regardless. Uh, you can get away with just taking one hit. I found, but yeah. normally you'll take two, and you have I to took use two, yeah. full heals. Pathetic, just awful design. It's just, awful, but opinion. it didn't bother me that much because of the old school Resident Evil games. I mean. Because of your low mobility, I, I'm always calculating in some damage from bosses. Yeah, uh, and it's this game really it's takes ki- the biscuit of, with that, though. Yeah, it, but it's it's kind of, kind of part of the game, like of the resource management. Okay, you know, I need, I'll need to use some health here in this, uh, some health items in this section. But yeah, yeah, it's it's by all means, objectively, it's terrible design. It's telling that my favorite bosses in this games, this game were the mini bosses that you don't have to fight. You can just leave the room. There's yeah. uh, there's, there's a, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Then uh, is it the albinoid, the one in the, the water with yeah. you? Like I, I had one go with that where I just tried to kill it and I just got bored. Yeah. Um, so I ended up you, just, it's very hard to hit it. <laughs> I just grabbed the item and ran away, took a bit of damage and thought, well, that's, you know, at least I've only lost a bit of health as you know, but no ammo. Um, there's a big spider in a room that you don't have to fight. There's the big snake, which I did fight because you'd told me that there's a weapon um, yeah. for it. Uh, so I did take that one out. But yeah, I was like, compared to the, again, the, the mid boss, the, the Hulk Steve and the final boss, which is uh, just, it all, it takes place on this, again, this really constrictive, restricted platform. And it the boss itself, it's a, a big mutated version of Alexia, as you'd expect. Uh, it blows up to you know some enormous size. Um, yeah, didn't didn't look particularly great to me. It looked like a fairly yeah generic big oogly boogly monster. <laughs> Spits a load of stuff at you that that um, staggers you and stuns you and knocks you about. It's, there's very little room to maneuver. Um, so again, that was another boss where it was like I did yeah I just basically stood there, pumped eighteen magnum rounds, ran left and right a bit, shot at my feet a few times. Eventually, you you know the cutscene kicks in to get to stage B, and that's when you do the 
the always uh, you know the, the Resident Evil staple of one final shot with a big weapon. In this case, you actually have to aim it in the first person. I know, Darren, you were like, um, th- there is precedent because there's a there's a mid boss where you have to do this as well the, with the sniper oh, rifle. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, suddenly, you can, but you can miss a sniper rifle there. I think suddenly you? first person aim. Yeah, possibly you can. Yeah, and you don't have to. I, use I think it, it's I just the, the pressure um, and the tension of it all just kind of just overwhelms you a bit, and you're just like, if you miss, you have to start again, and it's yeah. like, yeah, and the shot's really slow. Um, so you f- you fire it and it doesn't it doesn't hit where you're aiming it it I mean it does it goes towards where you're aiming but the boss is never by the yeah. time the bullets the time the bullets moved it through the air it's the boss will have the the flying form the final form will have mm. will have moved so it only took I, me three or four goes but it, it was I just thought it was a, another really poor boss fight <laughs> I I had uh, no health left at that moment and no health items yeah uh, so I grabbed the it's called the linear launcher. That's, That's the first-person uh, missile launch thing yeah. off the wall. And I had the presence of mind not to immediately go into first-person mode and shoot it, uh, but run around the room first uh, to another position. And yeah. uh, she was spitting acid at me right behind me while I was running. So okay. I would have died otherwise. And then I went into first-person mode and took her out with one shot, oh, thankfully. Hmm. Because I wasn't ready to go through the torture of the first uh, phase <laughs> of the boss fight uh, anymore with all the little critters uh, coming after you. Oh, yeah. Goodness me. Yeah. I didn't uh, mind the boss fight on the is it the helicopter platform or some sort of big platform and it's all foggy and you, you do have to snipe, you know, the, um, the weird... Yes. I, don't, I don't know what it is, to be honest. It's just some weird... Uh, that's called Nosferatu, I think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I think it's... Uh, it's Alfred and uh, Alexia's father, uh, Alexander Ashford. Yeah, with it, yeah. with it, with its eyes, it's blind, isn't it? And it just kind of, yeah. But it's got, yeah, it's got the usual big poison gas clouds mm. coming at you, which which knock you. And yeah, I, I mean, it, yeah, it was yeah. at least it actually felt like a, yeah, that one was actually felt like it had a bit more gameplay about it, whereas the others yeah. just felt very, to me, very, maybe you know, partly my poor play probably, but it, they felt very attritional and and kind of designed to just hurt you and 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 frustrate you rather than excite you which is not what i want out of my boss fights <laughs> yeah yeah and that boss fight also has another uh consequence so if you do manage not to get poisoned um in that fight then um oh yeah cool claire is not poisoned later on mm. Mm. She, yeah you, you won't have to get the serum for her yeah so actually if you want more gameplay and this is quite a long game, we should say. I think my completion time was about 16 hours. Yeah. Uh, rank E, of course, because <laughs> I saved a lot and used stuff. And But, you know, you could you could work on that. Uh, I know you got an E too. Do you know what rank oh, you got, yeah, Darren? Oh, yeah, E, definitely. I was, you know, 36 yeah. saves and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also think I, was I, had, I had exactly 36 uh, saves as well, rank <laughs> oh, okay. E. I got a completion uh, completion time of uh, ten hours forty three, but oh. that's because I blazed through disc one. Uh, ah, because you'd already done it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the the point I wanted to make. Actually, like mm. we the first playthrough of disc one, we spent so long just crossing the map and navigating the map. Yeah. And but it's it doesn't take that long once you know where you need to go. It's, uh, yeah. It takes about half the time that you know, would normally spend on it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, curious trivia fact this was the last of the canonical Resident Evil titles to use the names of actual gun manufacturers excluding Magnum and uh, firearms within the game all subsequent Resident Evil titles used generic or made up names for their weapons Case Sub-Zero 
from the forum again, says the combat feels oddly weightless when compared to the others. Some of the enemies are frustrating to fight and the backtracking can be a bit too much at times, but the core gameplay loop mostly follows the tried and true Resident Evil formula, for better or worse. With that being said, one of the most egregious gameplay related aspects is this game's insistence on blindsiding the player with barely foreshadowed points of no return that are more than capable of screwing unprepared players over, especially at the several location and character switching moments. I would strongly recommend first time players to use a guide in order to avoid having to potentially restart the entire game from scratch through no fault of their own. Granted, this issue becomes significantly less pronounced over the course of the repeated playthroughs that this game was created for, like the others, but this is simply bad design. No two ways about it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this game was as designed for uh, multiple playthroughs as actually. The that's the were. part I would. Yeah, I would. I would maybe slightly contest this. I mean, it's got the ranking system. We've literally just talked about it. Yeah, but there's no there's no real unlocks hmm. in this game. Not not really. Yeah, you unlock the battle game, but there's no unlocks for for playing through the same game again. There's no higher difficulty appearing. No. Uh, there's yeah. You you might want to do things a little differently and see a few other different outcomes. Um, but yeah, I uh, I mean I'm not going to play through Code Veronica again just to get a better ranking. Maybe I'll play through it may, maybe ten years again from now to just refresh my memory. But I don't think not, I will. <laughs> not, <laughs> but not but not uh, not because it's uh, really inviting to no. uh, to play through again for, to me, even though I enjoyed it. I yeah, must say. yeah, I agree, and uh, and but I completely what well, I completely agree with. Camille there is is about the blindsiding of the player. I just think yeah. it's it's I mean, it just would not happen now. You you just couldn't design a game where it just suddenly locks you out from loads of your stuff, your yeah. hard earned stuff that you've taken with you. It's like, yeah. oh, by the way, because you were carrying your rocket launcher or your bow gun with that character, you're now mm-hmm. gonna have to fight this boss without any of that stuff because you were carrying it with your other character to try them keep them alive. Like yeah. it's just just dire, uh, awful. This, this- Design. This game forced me to uh, start using rolling saves, uh, which yeah. I usually I'm I'm very bad at uh, managing multiple uh, save mm. slots because I start you know I always have this sort of slight anxiety about it that I won't remember which is the proper save. <laughs> uh, I was keeping but, six in this in this game. Six, right? Yeah, six I, ke- I kept two or three something, which is uh, yeah. a lot for my. Uh, I didn't doing. need that many, but that was me. But that was my yeah. way to deal with it. But with it, the anxiety of getting locked out. But it's um, you know, I had to face uh, because I dumped all almost everything uh, with the first uh, Alexia boss fight. I uh, dumped almost everything in the magic item box. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Claire could use it. And later on, I found out that she shouldn't use a lot because you're not going to play with Claire after that again. Oh, well, yeah. And but, how would you uh, know? There I'll, is no warning. Yeah. But um, that still left me with only a handgun with uh, Chris to fight Alexia with in her first form, um, <laughs> which, I, which I did because I didn't want to go through all that mess with uh, Steve again, uh, yeah. chasing me down a hallway. So I, I did manage to maybe in two, three tries take her out with just uh, the simple pop gun. And it was so easy to for the designers to mitigate against this with, uh, you know, sensible strategic use of item boxes and and allowing the player to access them before and after certain sequences. It it seems to me it was deliberate to to have this blindsiding element um, as 
either it was yeah just uh, either it was a massive oversight or it was a deliberate attempt to blindside the player and have them potentially in dire straits but it's not like if it was a game where you could theoretically uh you know get through any section with no matter what loadout you had left on you then you would say fair enough but there are boss fights here where if you only had the knife and no health it's not like you could skill your way through. I mean, maybe you could. Maybe there are people out there who can. But ninety nine percent of humanity, game playing humanity, would not be able to get through these bits if you know without having the right yeah. gear, basically. So yeah, it's a, a, the, that that element for me just sucked. And yeah, I ended up resorting to six rolling saves and looking at a guide and talking to you guys who had already played it. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Any thoughts yeah, on this, Darren? It's, um, I was never affected by this, and I was blissfully unaware oh, really? about the possibility of being you know, huh. gated out of the rest of the game. Uh, if I'd have known that beforehand, I would have been absolutely terrified of doing anything. So I kind of gladly... I'm very conservative with my item use anyway in Resident Evil games. Like Everything stays in the box anyway, and I don't want to carry too much on me. Yeah. Just just be playing Resident Evil from previous years, like... I know not to keep stuff on me like I don't really need at that time so I'm very tidy with yeah. my my magical uh, teleport teleportation box so luckily I was I was okay but I did lose a few guns when it when it did the switch over I did lose a few guns for a bit and I was I was a bit gutted but it was not you know a tragedy uh, luckily but yeah I was I was unaware it was a yeah. thing and um I'd always heard that this game was ridiculously hard and I, I you know, the, the boss fights kind of alluded that. I was like, yeah, these, yeah, these boss fights are stupid and hard. But yeah, the um, the locking yourself out of the rest of the game. If I'd have known that going in, I yeah, I don't know how I'd have felt. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, like looking on GameFAQs, there is a knife-only walkthrough on there. Mm. So in theory, anyone <laughs> can complete this game with, by using only the knife. I don't know how much healing that walkthrough involves. Maybe you can do it with just a knife and never healing. I don't know. Maybe if maybe it is possible to be that good and that that practiced. I don't know. Um, to I get the best be like ranking that. in the game, you mm. need to not save and not heal. Right. So yeah. Yeah, I mean that's to me that to me is insane. I mean I understand why they put it in there, but especially good that there's no there's no reward. Like uh, there's there's no not even when they put in achievements and trophies is there anything for for being that good on the on the 360 <laughs> and, and and PS3, yeah, uh, just seems just seems insane to me to make it that challenging. That said, I read I read a few comments when I was looking for just sort of general conversation about this game and how to get past certain sticking points. There were people sort of saying this is either the easiest or the hardest Resident Evil game depending on who you talk to how you play you know so it's not yeah it's not it's not clear cut it's not black and white about how challenging this game is i guess it depends on factors um we should mention puzzles because resident evil games have puzzles but i'm struggling to think of a memorable puzzle uh, <laughs> in code veronica the, the only one that sticks out to me is the one where you have to fill the liquids up and drain them and fill them up again oh the yeah. It's, the, it's the Die Hard with a Vengeance oh, puzzle, isn't yeah, it? Is, yeah, but I, that, yeah, but I completely overlooked the the fact that it was broken, so you could only fill it up, oh. you know, it was like three, three, then two or something like that, and it, it just didn't mm. compute in my head, and that was another one where I had to turn it off and just go to bed. I was like, this is just doing my nothing, so I had to just stop for a, a while, and I had to just look it up online the next day, because it really, really just got me bamboozled. <laughs> Fortunately, it doesn't give you a limit on move numbers, no. does it? So it's not like, um, yeah, it's not like you have to do it within 
the the minimum number of moves so i did get there eventually but uh yeah i yeah. guess that was the equivalent of the we talked about the water pressure puzzle from from three this was yeah. kind of that moment where suddenly you you are you have stopped and you are facing an odd looking screen and you are just pressing mm. sequences of buttons <laughs> until you get it right until you get it right yeah I think the uh, the puzzles uh, of this game are in some cases again patronizingly easy and spell the solution out for you. For example, the one where Steve is locked in the gas chamber and you have to uh, press two symbols of two items that are related to each other, the two different guns, I believe. Oh, From yeah. uh, it's that that sort of thing. But I I can forgive uh, there being a lot of item slotting. And that sort of thing again, because of the well-designed, uh, I guess, item gating and, uh, and and map designs of the game. Yes, I think I agree. that makes up yeah. for a lot of the shortcomings and does give it more of an adventuring feel than uh, Resident Evil Three. I'll tell you what I did yeah. like. Yeah, I think I, that's... I, I like the mm. the engraving, the three D printing of your own kind of. Um, Crests, was it? They weren't just in the world already. You yeah. kind of had to go to a machine to make it out of a bit of metal that you picked up on the floor. I find that quite yeah. a novel idea compared to the previous games beforehand where they were already in the world. It felt like, I don't know, it's, it, it's completely nothing really. It's kind of, it's, you know, there's nothing to it other than you go and make it yourself. But I, I kind of like the fact that they put a little bit of effort into making it a bit different. Uh, you know, it was all right. Something was, uh, I think there was a, a puzzle that was, is probably unique obviously there have been puzzles where you've moved crates around and stuff like this but the puzzle where you smash something by putting it under a a, a, oh, yeah. a, a crusher that can kill you <laughs> that, yeah i don't think they'd ever done a puzzle quite of that nature before no, like, no. I, I did it without dying but you could certainly I, get smashed I died, I died a few uh times there because of flubbing the controls right uh, yeah I mean, I'll, I'll blame the the, the dreamcast also, one thing I did want to compliment is the fact that they brought back, after dropping the whole 3D polygonal items thing, they brought back 3D polygonal items. So you have to move, once again, move things around in the inventory to find, uh, like there's a there's a key in a pot at one stage or something like that. Or, yeah. yeah uh, uh, I, 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 I know it's a, a simple, silly little thing, but I like that. It feels... Yeah. There was it, a security card in a binder at the very late stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I like that stuff. Um it's very lightweight yes. detective work, isn't it? But it feels like that you you've done that, like you were the one who looked inside the pot because you know that that's kind of a thing to do in mm. games. Yeah, I, I like that kind of stuff, and I wish there was more of it. Just one yeah. extra layer. Yeah, yeah. So yes, uh, there really isn't much wrapping around this game. I think maybe it speaks to the fact that we talked about the development and how they were bringing in various second and third parties and Sega to get the game done. There's very little extra content in Code Veronica. It's a big game. There's tons, you know, and, they, and I think they made sure, I think they could have done more with, you know, the boss fights, but I think it feels like a big, it feel like, felt to me at the time like the most epic Resident Evil at the time. Um, but there's no, as we said, there's no wardrobe changes. First game in the series and possibly the only one without kind of new, even costumes to look. There's no new game plus. You don't start again with a uh, with a weapon. I think there's something you can get in the battle game to take into the main game, possibly. You can unlock a rocket launcher mm -hmm. or something. Um, yeah, all you do is unlock the battle game, which is the now fairly established uh, mode of taking a character from one place to another, shooting everything on the way. There's probably probably some slight tweaks to it. I I had one go of this. I played as Steve, and I played in first person mode because, of course, <laughs> they could do that now because mm, polygons. Yeah. Uh, it was 
fine-ish up until you get to the worm boss, uh, which is pretty much unplayable in first person <laughs> because it because <laughs> it knocks you into third person, comes up from the floor, yeah. and then by the time you've aimed in first person, it's gone away again. So uh, I died there, and that was that. Also, it had some quite bad slowdown in busy rooms in first person. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it does in third person as well. I suppose it would probably even more so. It's cool if you uh, that they were just able to do that because of the poly- polygonal mm. environments. Yeah. Uh, but I found it very disorienting to play Resident Evil controls in first person because I wanted to control like a first person shooter. But so I, I went with Chris uh, through his battle game in third person quickly after. I did exactly the same thing, Steve, in, uh, in uh, first person, mm. which was all right until I uh, had to uh, face stage uh, two of uh, Alexia again. Uh, oh, you got that I just, far, Which I just painstakingly killed in the, the main game just mere moments ago. And uh, yeah, mm. I kind of I, I kind of half-heartedly had a go at it. But Yeah, uh, you weren't I've, sorry when the game over screen came up. No, exactly. I know that feeling. But, yeah, yeah <laughs> I just had about, I had just had my fill for, uh, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I never really liked the... And I haven't really put a lot of effort into it, but I've never really been pulled towards the arcadey version of resident evil games like mercenaries and you know this I, mm, mercenaries has merits yeah, I, think yeah we'll I, I understand that. that it is you know an enjoyable mode but i've never really felt the attachment to it because like the single player you know the campaign of resident evil games i really like the constant progression mm. of a character building and getting stuff and hoarding stuff and you know just moving forward and i i like the fact that it's in there as an option but i've never really dabbled with it and i feel like i'm missing out in especially resident evil 4 um, i feel like i'm missing out on the mercenaries but i've never really never really fancied it yeah, yeah I, I know i know what you mean um, and it's not what not, I come to the game for. We're not speaking about uh, we're not speaking about those games that have the the, the the mercenary remote as we know them today now as. But yeah, I've, if if I would want to play a mode like that, I would to, would want it to have actual arcadey mm. controls and arcadey movement yeah. uh, in it rather than being stuck with uh, base Resident Evil controls, which is fine for the adventuring and action part, but. That's we'll talk. We'll talk about game. those modes in four and five because uh, they definitely have their fans and they span off into a whole thing. And I certainly, yeah, I've had I've had good times with those. But this, to bring it back to mm. Code Veronica, this mode like was very much a okay. I've had a look at that. I'm never going to return to it. So that's that. That that. Mm. There you go. That is it. Battle game. <laughs> yeah. Two exclamation marks. <laughs> Andy CT from the forum says core Code Veronica memories. Resident Evil on the Dreamcast. Yes. Incredible attract screen, dramatic music loop intercut by a jarring I am Alexia Ashford quote. Kicker being it isn't even her when you reach that part of the game. Matt Porter and Danny Taylor having to restart disc one after failing to heed my advice to save ammo. The fools. Steve's ongoing legacy following his out of the blue I love you which I have pledged that should I ever find myself the victim of fatal injuries I'll try and say to whoever I'm with before dying even if they are a total stranger especially if they are a total stranger yeah that, that is a bit weird <laughs> it is, uh, he's a confused boy bless him old Steve um, yeah, yeah. I, poor, I, poor I, Steve. I, I do take I do take uh, Camille's mitigating factors regarding his age and situation on board but Get a grip, Steve. The, um, the intro uh, mentioned there. Dead is, Hulk, um, Steve. Is when I was in the shop and we had like a Dreamcast station and that that video yeah. was on loop constantly, people mm. were so impressed yeah. with the bit where Claire Redfield drops the gun and then like drops to the floor and shoots <laughs> the barrels behind her. Like, honestly, people were just absolutely yeah. 
feverish for more of that because you know the matrix was kind of cool at the time and you know steve yes. popping through the window yeah. and the camera slowing around and panning around and you know yeah and the the, the helicopter that just yeah. gatling guns its way through the corridor and claire's running through it yeah that was cool i yeah. yeah good memories of that bit um you know and mm. yeah this also reminds me of that i am alexia astford uh, quote also reminds me of that moment where you first reached the the castle uh behind uh alfred's mansion and that's the 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 thunder and the lightning crashes and you hear this crazy laughter coming from the house that's such a weird weird classic horror moment that comes out of nowhere i think they cut (laughs) that alexia ashford uh, bit of speech out of later versions because it's not in the version i've been playing and uh i vague do i vaguely remember it i'm not sure but uh yeah, yeah i think maybe other people had a found it a bit jarring uh, so the story of Code Veronica has been adapted into other formats, as it were. It's in the Resident Evil Survivor 2 game. That was the 2002 PS2 title uh, with the with the light gun type gameplay, uh, which we're not officially covering as part of this series. Uh, there's also the Dark Side Chronicles, which we've mentioned before, which is on Wii and PS3. Uh, which also recreates the Code Veronica scenario. There was also yet another book adaptation. This was the sixth in Pocket Books Resident Evil series written by S.D. Perry. And there was also a comic book. Lee Chung Hing wrote a series of graphic novels adapted from the game and published by DC. Book one in 2002 and books two through four in 2003. I don't know how rare or collectible those comic books are now. Reprobate Gamer from the forum says Code Veronica was for me a definite meh. Coming after two and three, it was always going to have an uphill struggle and I don't think it quite managed. The story actually works fairly well and it's great to visit a couple of new locations within the Resident Evil universe. It's just the beginning of the move to the superpowered villains that would permeate the series going forwards really begins to strain the willing suspension of disbelief the series requires. Even the starting cinematic, which was very good for the time, does require you to accept that Claire has just learned Gun Cutter in less than three months. I like that cinematic still, but I can't believe it. I did find Steve annoying, but I always figured that was kind of the point, and it tracks into Claire's move over to TerraSave rather than the BSAA as the, chrono- as the chronology continues. Uh, I think our correspondent reprobate gamer here knows more about the Resident Evil lore than I do. Uh, Graphically, at the time, I don't remember any real difference between this and the last few games, but the gameplay mechanics really felt like a step back. No dodge, no ammo creation, more than a couple of deliberately awkward setups. My hated actually being uh, the moth corridor, respawning enemies that poison you and leave a pupae on you to hatch later. And this location is uh, also the only point to get blue herbs. Just horrid. And just the general movement just didn't feel as smooth as Resident Evil's 2 and 3. My my wife really got into this game and remembers it fondly, though I will note that she is reluctant to return as she prefers the memory of it as she fully expects it not to have aged well. I remember it being the point where Capcom lost their way with the series. The promise the story and setting has is definitely not grabbed fully and the game ends up feeling a little not fully formed to its detriment. Yeah, Mikhail, you... You you don't like the moths either, do you? No, I hate them. Yeah, I had some really uh, unfortunate moth uh, encounters as well. <laughs> it's one of those weird locations where you can get through it without anything happening, but then sometimes you'll just you'll yeah one of them you will walk, flutter down you, and grab you. Yeah, and you walk from one moth into another, and uh, they'll infect you. 
That's yeah. another room yeah. where they, the respawning enemies done my head in. It was like, I've been through here. The moths are dead. Like, in, it's the, the save room with the unlockable. There's no point to yeah, even killing just, them. Uh, yeah. yeah. What's weird is that those zombies uh, webbed to the wall never bursted out. And never... They do. They do? They do. Well, they did. Yeah. Okay. Maybe but, um, uh... it's optional, though. Right, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. If you if you go back through there with Chris, they will drop down and, and get you. Uh, it's in exchange for uh, an item or two. It is profitable if you shoot them economically. So, yeah, that's another one of those little optional bits. Yeah. 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 Uh, K-Sub-Zero, in the end, Code Veronica is far from the most fun Resident Evil game to play, but it is a very interesting entry in its own right uh, that I think every fan should experience, design flaws notwithstanding. Overall, I'd say this one is a bit of an acquired taste. Yeah, it just took me 18 years or so. Uh, three words, much more briefly, from Twitter. Follow us at Kane and Rince. Andrew Brown says, lamentable psycho homage. Michael Edwards says, mortifyingly ceaseless reverence. Norman Q, a bit transphobic. Camille Rousseau, forgot the extinguisher. Oodles says, multiple save slots. Joseph King says, rustling body bag. Bearfish Pie, Resident 3D Evil. Sorry, in brackets. And Kylo Zen says, Redfields United, finally. Thank you, one and all. And now for us to summarise. I'm going to start with Darren Gargett. Yeah, um, I really like the prefixed camera angle Resident Evil games. They hold a special place in my heart. Um, And I don't really know why. I think it was time and place kind of thing. You know, the PS1 showed me a whole new world of games you know resident evil one and two i never played three sadly um and i was really excited for this to you know for, for the next generation leap but back then i never finished it and i never really understood why but playing through it now i kind of it kind of reminded me why i'm i've probably fell off it back in the day because it just there was nothing there really to hold my attention other than doing it for this podcast you know it's a I like the gameplay of of what I've explained earlier on the podcast of like building up a character and all the usual Resident Evil stuff and it's all there. It's just for me it's just not very colorful like literally and metaphorically it's all just kind of a bit bland for me and it's I, I feel a bit harsh saying that because I have played worse Resident Evil games. Um and this is by far from a bad game. I just don't think it does anything to really stand out and you know stick its head above the pit when when you've had such classics as two and you know and one and uh, yeah and, uh, yeah i don't know if three is a classic or not but you know i i back in the day i wanted more and i think i was wowed by the spectacle of it all back then um playing it now yeah uh, it's 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 fine it's good you know it's good enough for me to play through it and you know not absolutely want to you know cry with anguish at some of the bosses you know the bosses are a massive sticking point and they, they are just terrible but the actual moment to moment resident evil it's just fine uh, if you're a fan of the series and you haven't played it then you know yeah it's that there is an there's an, an okay game there you know sometimes good sometimes bad so yeah it's okay yeah so this is another one of those games that probably when i uh, was thinking about getting Kane and Rince out with Jay and Tony um, was one of the kind of games that I had in my mind that even back in 2011, I knew that I'd had on my backlog for far too long and I really ought to have played to, you know, have an opinion and to complete my experience with the series. Um, But it 
every time I attempted to play it so many times I, I honestly don't know how many times I started this game it could be six seven eight nine something like that and always got to a similar point um, not very far into the game and this this show was obviously the kick of the motivation I needed to get through it so that doesn't say that doesn't speak that highly for it but that said I was always I was always eagerly anticipating playing it and I was always excited about it and by it but there are just quite a few sticking points and and um, less than player friendly elements to this particular Resident Evil that do make it a bit more of an effort to play than than a lot of the games in the series. Now I've finally got all the way through it to the end. I find that it doesn't actually. I don't think, apart from the real spikes with the bosses, I don't think it stays quite as tough as it starts. I think it. I think it very deliberately puts you off on the back foot for those first few hours by making you think that save rooms are going to be once every you know, two hours or something like that. And uh, it's going to give you barely any health and ammo. As the game goes on, it it, it turns more into a more the, a more expected, uh, the, the, the pacing and, and uh, the drip feed of resource becomes a, at least appropriate to the size of the game, which is, yeah, which is bigger. Uh, it's got some really nice map design with looping paths, that, you know, come around and, and feedback on themselves, the sort of thing that uh, From Software has had a lot of praise for in recent years. And, but yes, I think um, the the voice acting is uh, and scripting is uh, execrable, and the uh, the boss fights are just as bad. Um, so those are two fairly major flies in the ointment. But as Darren says, I completely agree. The actual what you spend most of the time doing in this game is the the core corridor to corridor, room to room, uh, item management, and you know, popping off zombies, uh, fixing machines, putting cards in slots and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and yeah, I'm I'm now, what are we, four games into this this year and I'm still, yeah, still enjoy that that basic pattern of play. So there's there's a lot to be said for it. Uh, and it's obviously interesting from a historical, historical perspective. Um, but yeah, I think if you were going to play one Resident Evil now, I don't think it would be this one probably. Um, but yes, if you've played all the others, you should complete the set. And let's conclude with Mikhail. Yeah, leading on from that, I think the simple way for me to um, recommend or sum up Resident Evil Code Veronica would be to say that if you like classic old school Resident Evil adventuring and monster shooting and resource management, there's a lot of it here in Code Veronica. It's a very lengthy game, uh, more much more so than the previous ones. Um, that said, like the others, I also feel that there are a lot of sticking points and uh, frustration in there. But I was a, I was also like Leon, just having a great time with the game despite that, just enjoying, you know, getting into that s sort of style of play again uh, after having spent more time uh, sp spent time with uh, Resident Evil Three and Two. I think, despite the many points of frustration, it's it becomes a moment of or it becomes a matter of taking the bad with the good, and the bad or the the good definitely outweighing the bad in the end. Uh, it's hard for me to rec recommend uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica to just about anyone, but if you're into your old school Resident Evil games, then I would definitely seek it out if uh, if I were you. Because, uh, as I said before, there's there's just a lot of it here. It's uh, it's a very rich and lengthy game. <laughs> it's the old reviewer's standby. If you like this sort of thing, this is the sort of thing you'll like. 
but I think sometimes that is absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely this, fair. Yeah, yeah. Just, just hammered me down there, but uh, <laughs> no, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, no, but no, but yeah, as you said, it's that's just how I really would sum up this game. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I quite agree. Well, that is yeah. So our fourth of these uh, Resident Evil shows. Next one will be the 2002 remake in a month's time, and then after that, it's the final of the. The classic style Resident Evils with Zero. Uh, should be an interesting show as well. Until the next show, though, it remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren and Mikhail, as well as our correspondents, Editor Jay, and to all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Rate, review it. Best of all, patreon.com slash Rinse. Donate a dollar a month or more if you want. You can get every Kane and Rinse podcast one week earlier and an exclusive monthly minicast. More things to come as well. Uh, and our undying gratitude. Next time, in issue 320, we celebrate four decades of those iconic invaders from space. Mm-hmm.